This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrell Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. It's been a year marked with some major bipartisan wins in the state legislature. At the same time, division seems wider than ever. Uh, Newsmakers has been sitting down with state leaders, asking them to reflect on the past year's accomplishments and challenges, as well as highlighting their goals for 2024. Today, we talk with former Senate Minority Leader Melissa Agard and newly elected Minority Leader Senator Diane Hasselbein. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. Uh, Senator Agard, um, when you took this job a year ago, what was your main goal and have you achieved that this past year? I would say um, my main goal when I took the job was to make sure that the people of Wisconsin knew that they had people in the Capitol building who were working hard for them every single day, doing their absolute best. We know that our bosses are the good people of the state of Wisconsin and it's vitally important in the work that we do that we lift up their voices and their values. And I would say that we have been successful in doing that work. Um, It is hard being members of the minority party, um, but at the same time, we've been able to be really relevant and involved in conversations that have bettered the people of Wisconsin across the board, not only through policy, but also in ensuring that they know that what they care about is being delivered on. Senator Hesselbein, when you look back at 2023, what is the main thing you're proud of for Senate Democrats? Um, I think we worked in a collaborative um, way with one another, and we all had an open-door policy with um, everybody in the building and outside of the building, and I think we were really listening to what the people in Wisconsin wanted. You know, despite what we talked about, some pretty big, big bipartisan wins this past year, there's probably no greater example of the division that continues to exist in the recent disagreement between with um, the universities of Wisconsin system and those DEI positions. Uh, last week, the UW Board of Regents reversed its decision and accepted a deal with Republican lawmakers, um, you know this, uh, that some say uh, undermine UW authority and roll back DEI efforts in the university. Uh, Senator what do you think are the long-term implications of that deal? Well, we know that businesses, universities, governments, nonprofits that embrace DEI initiatives do better. Um, and it is vitally important for us here in Wisconsin that we continue to lift up the Wisconsin idea, that the people who are working at our system schools are the best of the best and that the young people um, and returning students that are coming into our university systems know that they are safe and that they are going to have um, support for them. Whether so it's a return- progress been compromised yeah. by that deal? Absolutely. Whether you're a returning veteran, whether you're someone who has disabilities, you're a single mom, you're a first time um, student coming onto campus. I am very concerned that what has been um, instigated by Speaker Voss is going to be damaging to our system schools. And we need to continue, again, talking about lifting up the values of the people of Wisconsin. This isn't what they wanted. They didn't say, hold the raises for 34,000 people hostage so that we can take DEI off of our campuses. Senator Hesselbein, members of the Legislative Black Caucus called the deal um, part of a systematic racist deal that is discriminatory. Do you agree with that characterization? 
Yeah, I do. And I want to just be clear that diversity, equity, and inclusion is extremely important to the state of Wisconsin in every single corner. Um, we need to be lifting people up and not holding, as Senator Agard said, people hostage for their raises to get rid of something that everybody in the state wants. Racist and discriminatory, that's pretty, pretty harsh language. That's what you think the heart of this deal is? I think part of it was um, people that I'd like to say that maybe they don't understand, but I worry that they do understand and they worry that they're moving Wisconsin backwards. The Universities of Wisconsin system deal includes $800 million. It includes those pay raises, funding for the engineering building, other building projects. There were no positions lost in the deal. They were re recharacterized, I guess. Somebody, some people would say that was a good deal for the universities. So um, I'm fortunate if I have three kids, and when they think about where they were going to go to college, these things matter. Um, these things matter to all the students in Wisconsin and to people that are thinking of coming here. And we know we have a population, especially in the workforce, that works with diversity, equity, inclusion. Not only works, but embraces it. What does this say to the entire state that they are making these changes? I don't think it's good. So my concern is that Speaker Voss said the quiet part out loud. He literally said, after this deal was struck, that his intent was to continue moving farther to continue removing more DEI initiatives from the state of Wisconsin. Um, this is his drumbeat right now. So um, despite the fact that we aren't losing positions, um, despite the fact that we did get the engineering building, which businesses across the state of Wisconsin, as well as academics, have said we need, despite the fact that we had promised wages to people who are going to work every single day hard for the state of Wisconsin, we had to get those things done. But they did not have to be tied together in this bow. This was artificial on Speaker Voss's part. And after it was done, he celebrated the fact that he was going to continue chipping away at DEI initiatives in the state of Wisconsin. Senator Hesselbein, moving forward, what's the strategy for Senate Democrats in, in terms of pushback on you know, future efforts to eliminate DEI, as Senator Agar just said, Speaker um, Voss? Well, I think one thing we need to do is be focusing on the next election and change the faces of the people around the table. Um, but I will say one of these things with diversity, equity, inclusion is this wasn't this first go around, right? Because during the shared revenue debates that we were having, um, Speaker Voss made it clear that he went after diversity, equity, inclusion in the city and the county of Milwaukee. So they're just continuing this drumbeat against diversity, equity, inclusion. We need to change the people that are making these decisions in our state. So you can expect more of this in I, 2024? Um, I believe we will. Um, Senator Agard, as we mentioned, um, despite those ideological divisions, there were some pretty significant bipartisan wins and movement in the legislature. Some examples, the shared revenue deal for uh, local counties, municipalities, the Brewer Stadium deal, an overhaul of liquor laws, all with pretty good bipartisan support. To what, to who gets the credit for that? What, why, what do you think made that possible? Uh, I give credit to the people of Wisconsin for pushing on their elected officials to get things done. Uh, for over a decade here in Wisconsin, our local governments have been really struggling to deliver the services that their constituents require from them that make our communities safer, that make it so that our main streets can be prosperous. And because of that pressure, it was something that we heard about during last election cycle. And then people on both sides of the aisle in both houses were committed to working on this as well as Governor Evers. And so that win, I really believe, comes from the people of the state of Wisconsin. 
Senator Hesselbein, does Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemonhue get credit for some of that bipartisan compromise in any of those situations? I wasn't involved in those conversations, so I'd have to look at my seatmate over here to see. <laughs> What's been your experience that? working with him? Is he easy to work with? Um, I've known Senator Lemonhue since we were both first elected. Um, and one of the first bills we did together that didn't make it across the finish line, um, we worked together. And so we were reminiscing about that last week about you know trying to get this one bill done that never got done. Um, so hopefully moving forward, we can have an open door and continue talking. What has Senator Lemonhue been like to work with as minority leader? Certainly I've appreciated the opportunity to be able to work with him and his staff. We've had an open door to he and him and his office, and he's had an open door to us in our office. I think it uh, takes two to tango. Um, certainly he's been open-minded when it comes to um, how it is that he can work with us when he needs our vote, but there hasn't been the outreach um, from the Republicans in the Senate saying, what are some of your priorities? How can we help you get those done? It's only really when they need us to help them get something done that we hear from them. As a newly elected leader, I know you've been described as more of a team player, perhaps less of a bomb thrower is what I'm hearing, as compared to some of your other Democratic colleagues. Is that a fair characterization or how would you describe your leadership style? I don't know. I think um, you can be nice and effective at the same time. Certainly I'll always stand up for our values every single chance I get. Um, I'm not sure who's characterizing me that way, but I would never <laughs> suggest that you were a bomb. Th you know what I mean? So I just, I don't know why that's considered good or bad. It's just the way it is. What, what is your advice to oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Hasselbein in terms of finding that that line of compromise that maintains democratic values? Like, How hard is it to kind of keep that in perspective? Well, Diane's got everything that it takes to do this job well. She's not going to apologize for what it is that she stands for and what the people of Wisconsin want from her. I know that to be the case. But she's also going to walk into the room and figure out where it is that she can insert herself and insert Democrats and, frankly, the will of the people of Wisconsin into these conversations in order to get things done. Um, I have nothing but uh, the strongest regard and belief in Diane as the leader of our caucus. What do you think it is about your leadership style that will, will allow you to keep making progress? Um, I think collaborative nature. Um, certainly, I'm not afraid to ask for help when I need it. And I think it's important for people to know that I have known Melissa. We've known each other since high school. Um, so she went to East. I went to La Follette. So certainly, I was already asking her advice on a couple of things this morning, right? So we're going to continue to collaborate as we move forward. Senator Agard, one issue that has affected your district that I know you're very passionate about, uh, PFAS contamination, uh, that is one of those issues that didn't reach that bipartisan compromise. It, um, and I know you weren't happy with the amended version of that. You've spent, you know, months, years working on this issue. Why do you think that issue, despite the urgency, you weren't able to get to that bipartisan um, agreement? Well, I think this is sadly a situation where until your community is directly impacted by PFAS, you don't understand how damaging PFAS is to the state of Wisconsin, to our natural wildlife, as well as to the people here in our community. And um, we absolutely need to address PFAS contamination in Wisconsin, and we need to do it in a way that holds polluters accountable. If people knew what they were doing was having a ne negative effect on our communities, on our friends and neighbors, and our natural spaces, they need to be held accountable to that. And it seems to me right now that members of the Republican caucus aren't willing to embrace that. Um, we need to make sure that the DNR has teeth in the ability to hold people accountable, as well as to make sure that we're remediating as best as possible. Um, this is going to be a generational concern here in the state of Wisconsin. It's not going away. It's only going to be getting more and more and more concerning. 
last week Senator Wimberger, who's the Republican who's been leading PFAS efforts, made a comment that he's willing to work on PFAS legislation similar to a bill in Minnesota that would prohibit use of PFAS in certain products. Do you see reaching out to him on that issue? And, you know, where is the line for Democrats on that compromise on PFAS? So I was just ta- in his office the other day talking with one of his staff members about the PFAS bill saying there's so it was a big, large bill and there are parts of it we don't agree on. Certainly we believe scientists need to be able to do their jobs and find it um, and remediate it. But there's also things like firefighter foam. Sometimes we have trucks that still have firefighter foam with PFAS on it. So let's try to figure out who has it. Let's get rid of it quickly and safely and then put firefighter foam on there without PFAS. So I think there are parts that we can still move forward within the next few months to take some of those good parts of the bill and make that a reality. Um, I know that education is a big part of the Democrat agenda. Um, last week, the Wisconsin Policy Forum, I guess maybe it was recently, issued a report showing that December property tax bills would up, be up 5.4%, the highest it's been since 2009. Um, a lot of people blame all the school referendums, and that, that highlights the problem with our school funding formula. Do you believe the legislature, the way it's comprised now, has the ability to tackle uh, reform of the school funding formula? The way it's made up right now, no. I don't think that that's going to happen before uh, we gavel out this spring. Um, but it absolutely is something that we need uh, to prioritize in the same way that last session or this session we prioritized shared revenue. Um, a challenge for the upcoming legislature that is sworn in in, in 2025. I think we absolutely need to be looking at how it is that we fund our public schools. Investing in our kids is investing in our future. Having strong schools is good for our communities, it's good for our um, our future, um, and it, it's good for the state of Wisconsin. People are choosing where it is that they are going to be moving. And there is a laundry list of things that they look at. How much money they're paying for their taxes. What is the quality of services they're gonna be getting, whether it's their schools or first responders. Are we protecting our environment? Do we protect women's rights to choose? Are, are we legalizing cannabis? Have we expanded healthcare? Um, certainly this is on a list that many people are checking the boxes on when they're deciding where it is that they're gonna buy their homes. And Wisconsin has a real problem without migration. Without fixing our funding formulas, without investing in our public schools, uh, we're gonna continue to see that challenge. Uh, Publicly funded school vouchers got a huge increase in the last state budget. I know that that was something a lot of Democrats were not happy about. Um, The Supreme Court also last week uh, refused to take up a case challenging vouchers. The caps on those vouchers come off in 2026. What do you see in the big picture of this happening to the state's overall education system? Well, I agree with Senator Agar. We absolutely have to fix the funding formula. It's not working. Many people across our state are funding their schools through referendums, which are well needed and we need to do it. But I look at some of these hikes and it's a problem. Vouchers have been um, a disaster for the state of Wisconsin and how they're paid for. So we're going to have to be tackling that next session. Um, Senator Agard, you said in a recent social media post, Mm -hmm. it is not if Wisconsin will legalize cannabis, but when. This has been your issue, your mantra for so many years in the Senate. Um, But you said it it matters what the details are. Do you have any prediction on the when? Is 2024 the year that Wisconsin gets legalized cannabis, or is it medical, legalized medical, legalized recreational? What's your prediction for 2024? Well, with the... Supreme Court looking at how it is that our maps have been drawn in the state of Wisconsin um, and having 
a state that is very 50-50. But our legislature being made up of extremists, two-thirds Republicans and one-third Democrats, it makes it very hard for us to move policies forward that so many people in Wisconsin support. Nearly seven out of ten folks in the state of Wisconsin support responsible adult usage of cannabis with a medicinal component with it. Um, that is going to happen here in the state of Wisconsin, whether it happens because of the federal government first or because the state does, because we're going to have new maps. Um, I am not sure of the order there, but again, the genie's out of the bottle. Over 50% of the people in the United States live in states with legal cannabis, and we are literally an island of prohibition with Michigan, Minnesota, and Illinois having responsible adult usage policy. We need to get this done right, and I firmly believe that because of the landscape, the direction going across not only the Midwest, but our nation, that responsible adult usage cannabis policy is the right thing for the state of Wisconsin. 2024 of the year? Well, I, you know, again, I don't think that it's going to get done without fair maps. And fair maps will certainly not be affecting the 2024 legislative cycle. Let's talk about those maps. Um, the state's, Everyone's watching this redistricting case in the state Supreme Court. If the court decides to redraw the maps, do you think it's realistic that there could be a Democratic Senate majority uh, in 2024? Absolutely. I think people in the state of Wisconsin are so sick of gerrymandering. We just need to get it done and get it done right. Um, and I was just elected to um, a four-year term few years ago, and I'm absolutely willing, ready, and able to run again. I think it's right for the state. I think these things all need to be redrawn so that people have a choice. Which uh, seats do you think really would be back in play or more in play for Democrats in a redraw of the maps? Is there any in particular? That's like throwing dice right now. We don't know. We're not sitting down with the members of the Supreme Court and saying this is what we want the districts to look like. That would be immoral. Um, So We'll see if the Supreme Court ends up ruling and saying that there is a problem with our maps, and it's going to be interesting to see if they make that decision, what it is that the remedy phase looks like. Um, But certainly right now, what we're doing is traveling around the state of Wisconsin and talking to people who are thinking about, who might be interested in running for office in the future, because we don't know where those lines are. But we know that there are people raising their hands and saying, I want to be part of the solution. I want to be part of restoring democracy to the state of Wisconsin. And that's a big part of what it is that we do when we're not inside the Capitol building. So what are you looking for in potential Senate Democratic candidates? What are the characteristics that you hope? Hardworking and honest. I'd say that's probably the top two things what are we looking at. And that they, you know, they self-select and they're like, yeah, I really want to do it, as Senator Agard said. They're, they're interested, they're excited, and they're ready to go. And it's exciting. It's a good time. So both of you think it's possible for a Senate major- Democrat majority? Absolutely. All right, heard it here first. Um, (laughs) So Senate Majority Leader Lemahieu has laid out his priorities for early 2024. He wants to pass the right of first refusal bill, which would allow Wisconsin utilities that first shot at maintenance and owning uh, new transmission lines. Where is the Democratic caucus on that bill uh, currently? We haven't spoken about it yet in caucus, but um, people have been looking at it. I think there was a new amendment introduced that made it a little bit better, so we have to meet and talk about it. Were there any, do you hear any, what are the concerns about that from Democrats? Um, There were initially uh, some concerns, uh, but based on the amendments that have been brought forward, it seems like we're in pretty good shape. 
So that's that's possible bipartisan compromise there. Um, there are other Republican-sponsored bills that um, the EV charging station bill that was recently introduced that would exempt certain EV charging stations from being regulated as a public utility. Senator Fine's proposal to create a tax credit for employer child care programs. Uh, are those bills that potentially have Democrat support? So I was really excited and interested in Governor Evers' child care counts. I think that's what we should have been doing with the entire child care uh, travesty that's happening around the state of Wisconsin. Unfortunately, the Republicans decided not to do that. As far as these charging stations, he just put that out there, so I have to dive into that to see more about it. Do you see promise in, in those two proposals, or are there other Republican proposals that you think Democrats might be jumping on board with? Certainly. We have a crisis in the state of Wisconsin when it comes to access to child care. There are a lot of deserts, um, and where there is child care, it's unaffordable for families. People are making the decision about whether or not they're going to both be going to work or if someone's going to stay home with their kids. There are many families that don't have two parents, and you know their backs are really against the wall. At the same time, we have businesses across the state of Wisconsin saying, we want more hardworking people to walk through our door and um, become part of our teams. Uh, my concern with the proposals that the Republicans have brought forward for um, child care is that they're nibbling around the edges. They're not solving the problem. They're not honoring the work that's being done by the workforce behind the workforce, by our child care providers. They're not decreasing the cost so that it's more affordable to people. Um, so, you know, again, the devil is in the details with all policymaking. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad bill, but it's not the solution to what it is that Wisconsin needs. Both of you have been pretty outspoken uh, about what you've said are Republican attacks on LGBTQ, recently passed bills regarding um, addressing transgender youth and athletes. The governor has said he will veto these bills. Basically, they're going nowhere. Arguably, these are not kitchen table issues for most Wisconsinites. So wh why should Wisconsinites be paying attention to these, what seem like more kind of political issues? I think they should pay attention to it because it says who the Republican Party is and you have to see what they're about. And these continued attacks on LGBTQ plus students and adults is wrong. Um, and I'm so glad that Governor Evers has said he's gonna be vetoing every single one of this terrible legislation. This hurts people, this hurts kids, it hurts adults, it hurts our communities, and we have to stop it. You know, aren't Wisconsinites more concerned about you know, their food bills, gas bills, inflation. Why do you think this is an important issue for Wisconsinites? Certainly for many people at their kitchen tables, yes. How much is my property tax bill this year? We're just getting those in the mail. Is gas going up or going down? Can I afford to put new tires on my car or buy new shoes for my child? Those are, those are real issues, I will give that to you. But for families and LGBTQ folks in Wisconsin that are most directly impacted by these harmful rhetorical um, policies that are being brought forward by the Republicans. They are the crux of safety. Um, they are the most intimate kitchen table issues for those people. And um, those are our friends and neighbors. They are our family members um, that are facing these uh, really very, very damaging threats to their existence here in the state of Wisconsin. And if folks don't think that it's going to not affect them in one way or another, whether it's the, the attacks on LGBTQ and trans kids here in the state of Wisconsin or the attacks on reproductive rights for women in the state of Wisconsin, the attacks on our, our unions over the years here in the state of Wisconsin. It's one thing after another that the Republicans are doing. Where's the compassion? Where's the inclusion? 
that is my concern. And ultimately, that's what Democrats are doing every day in the Capitol building, is making sure that everyone in Wisconsin, including our trans kids, know that they belong and that we care about them and that we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that they are safe. In terms of looking forward to 2024, what, what can you foreshadow for us in terms of Democrat priorities or proposals? Will there be any uh, packages put forward early in the year that you can tell us about? You know, we've put together so many packages already that I'm not sure there's going to be anything new. You know, people have said to me, you know, what's the new thing? And I'm like, well, we're having a leadership shift. We haven't shifted our priorities, right? <laughs> and so it's like we're still going to be fighting for people. I'll still be fighting for Medicaid expansion because we continue to leave tens of thousands of people and our hardworking neighbors behind with health care. We're going to continue to push for reproductive choice, things like that. Um, but I'm not sure about some huge new packages that are going to be coming. I think we're going to continue to push our priorities. What do you think the session will look like early in the year based upon your experience? You know, I've been talking to folks in the building um, over the last month or so, and it sounds like we're probably not going to have very many session days, right? So there's not a lot of opportunity uh, to say, oh, we're going to introduce this big new shiny package. I mean, ultimately, we have put out packages to protect election integrity. We have put out packages to invest in child care. We have put out packages uh, to ensure that our environment is protected. Um, we've put out packages to ensure that people have access to quality health care, not just baseline insurance in the state of Wisconsin. So we're going to continue pushing to get public hearings on those bills to make sure that people in Wisconsin know that they are heard. Um, but ultimately, with only a small handful of days, we're hearing maybe three or four legislative days before things wind up, um, depending, depending on if you're listening to Speaker Voss or you're listening to Leader Lemihu. Um, that's not a lot of opportunity to get new things done. What do you see as the state's greatest challenge currently? Redistricting. I think that's the biggest challenge we have in our state right now because I think if we had fair maps, we'd have more people talking. I think compromise would happen. We'd be able to come to the table and um, negotiate better, and I think the entire state would be improved. Do you, what would you add anything to that? I agree with Diane, um, and I would say with 2024 being such an important election year, not only in Wisconsin but across the nation, um, the fact that people need to believe and know that our elections in Wisconsin are safe, secure, and fair. They have been more studied than any election in my lifetime, and you know, people older than me are saying that same thing. Um, with more fair maps, people are going to be knowing that their vote matters. But we need to continue the drumbeat also that our elections are safe, secure, and fair. Um, and we need to lift up the work that's being done by lo our local elected officials. Speaking of that 2024 election year, these polls showing um, President Biden, former President Trump, kind of neck and neck in Wisconsin. Is that concerning? Well, I think it should be concerning to everybody if it's going to be former President Trump on the ballot. Um, people should be very worried um, if he is the nominee for the Republican Party. But I am really happy with the good job that President Joe Biden has done. He has seen us through a pandemic. Um, he's really helped our state. And I think moving forward, we just have to continue to educate people about all the good things that he has done. Those national polls show Democrats aren't necessarily very happy with uh, President Biden at the top of the ticket. Are, do you have concerns about his age, or what do you think is part of that concern? You know, what I am concerned about is the fact that there are um, folks out there that are creating false narratives about what is and isn't happening um, at our federal government, and even at our state government, right? Like, people are perpetually saying things about the work that we're doing that isn't necessarily factual. Um, President Biden has really weathered a lot for our nation, and we are 
coming out of what could have been a really terrible time in pretty good shape. I am very proud of him, and I will continue to stand next to him and will be proud to cast my vote for him. Three main goals as the minority leader. What are you shooting for in 2024? Oh, wow. Three main goals. We'll continue to collaborate, have an open door um, policy with my Republican and Democratic colleagues. Um, I will always be pushing Medicaid expansion, something I'm super, um, always been interested in. And then fighting for K-12 education, our colleges and universities. Um, you know, we used to fund our colleges and universities a lot more than we do now. And that's why when you know, Melissa and I were in school, tuition was affordable because the state um, would put money into those institutions. So continuing to talk about that with my Republican colleagues and to kind of continue to point that out will be important. As we round out our interview, I want to ask you for your predictions. What, what's your main political prediction for 2024, Senator Agard? Uh, I believe that we will have democracy restored in Wisconsin with fair maps. It's going to be an exciting election year. And you, main political prediction? I would agree, and I think Joe Biden will win. Okay. Well, thank you both for your time today, and congratulations on your next steps in your careers. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thanks for this opportunity. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. You have been watching a production of Wisconsin Eye, your unfiltered window into legislative deliberations and public policy programming, where our mission is to provide Wisconsinites an opportunity to access the legislative process and connect with conversations that inform our citizenry. Please consider supporting our mission, and thank you for watching. Wisconsin Eye, policy made public.